Isn't he worthy this evening? Oh, he's so worthy. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for your power and your presence, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the presence of the Lord tonight. If you feel the Lord in this house, can you say amen? All right, that means you feel him. You can't lie in church. It means if he's here, you've got to act like he's here. Amen. I'm just going to dive right into the word tonight. I feel the Lord urging me on. I come to you tonight just to preach the truth of the word of God to you. To be obedient to what the Lord is speaking into my life. And if you will... To follow along with me tonight, if you'll turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, the book of Acts chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh no. I got a few oh no's. We'll give you some time to get there. But before we start reading tonight, I'm going to do something a little different before... We read the Word. I normally don't do this. I always normally just start reading. But I'm going to lead you up to the portion of Scripture that we're going to be reading in in Acts chapter 5. We know that the book of Acts is called that because it is the Acts of the Apostles. The actions, if you will, of the Apostles. The book of Acts is after the four Gospels. This is when we, we find at the beginning of Acts chapter 1 that Jesus tells His disciples that they will be receiving a power that will cause them to become witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He tells them that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We find that they enter in in Acts chapter 1 to an upper room and we go into Acts chapter 2 and many of us that have been raised in Pentecost knows that this is the probably most preached and most read portion of Scripture in Pentecost. But it is capturing in Acts chapter 2 the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered in one accord in one place and then there came a sound out of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. We also know that when it was noised abroad, that people began to gather around because some way, somehow, the 120 in that upper room got to the door of that upper room, and it spilled over to the streets of Jerusalem. And people began to gather around to see what was going on. And the Bible tells us that they marveled at what they were seeing because they heard the kingdom preached in their own language. And the Bible goes on in Acts chapter 2 that there's a little confusion with the people. They're not really understanding what's going on to Jesus' followers. And Peter stands up. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, he stands up on the day of Pentecost and he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He begins to preach Christ crucified, Christ risen from the dead, and repentance and forgiveness of sins. And we know that the Bible tells us that 3,000 souls 
are added to the church that day. We know as we move through Acts chapter 2 into Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John are going to the temple, just going to church, as I like to say, just doing their religious duty. But when the Holy Ghost comes on your life, you can't just go through life as ordinary because they run into a man and they, that he's, he's crippled in his feet and he's about 40 years old and he's never walked and they, he's asking for alms and he's begging for money and we, we many of you may know the portion of scripture that I'm talking about and at the beginning of Acts chapter 3 Peter famously says to him silver and gold as have I none but such as I have I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up and walk and the man leaps up to his feet strength enters his legs and he is praising and he's worshiping God magnifying God and there's just this miracle that's been wrought by, by, by the power that rests on Peter and John's life. Uh, and this again makes a, a ruckus in the city and people begin to gather. And then we find that the Sadducees and the, the Pharisees and the high priests and the captain of the high priests uh, begin to gather around uh, as we move into Acts chapter 4. You see in Acts chapter 3, Peter stands up again and begins to preach. Uh, and we find that as we go into Acts chapter 4, even when the, the Sadducees and the priest and the captain of the guard of the temple lay hold to Peter and the disciples, to Peter and them, what happened, what Peter and John, uh, in this instance, what happens is it's too late. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 that, that 5,000 people responded to the message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 3. Then it goes on and into Acts chapter 4. And, and, and Peter is just filled with boldness at this point. He's being questioned. And, and I, I just want you to turn to your neighbor real quick and say, Buckle up. I promise you he's going somewhere. Okay, I will get you there. I will land the plane. But I'm a preacher and it takes a little bit of time. i got to do a few laps. i got to get accustomed to where you're at tonight. And then when I feel it's right, I'll, I'll bring her down. All right, just trust me. All right, I've been doing this a little bit. Not as long as Pastor Ronnie. But uh, I, I got more hair. So that proves that I haven't been doing it as long as Pastor Ronnie. Um, sorry, Pastor, love you. Um, but I want to tell you tonight, I'm just trying to give you to get you to the point uh, that we're, we're, I want to get you to a place where I can take you somewhere tonight. But we know that Peter is filled with boldness and he tells them that there is, they, they ask him, what, what name are you doing this in? And he says, it's the name of Jesus Christ, the one you crucified, the one that's risen from dead. And, and then we get the scripture in verse 12 that he says, there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved than Jesus. Than Jesus. No man can be saved by any other than Jesus. Uh, and we find that, that they, they tell them, stop preaching in this name. Stop teaching in this name. And we get to verse 20, and Peter and John turn to them and say, listen, we cannot help but talk about what we have seen and heard. So, so what happens is the, the, religious Jew, the, the Jewish leadership, the religious leadership of the day gives them a smack on the hands and they say, you don't preach or teach or heal in the name of Jesus anymore. So Peter and John, they run to the other disciples 
disciples, they go back to the upper room. They say, hey, listen, we have, we have now been persecuted for our faith. Uh, they have come against us. They have said, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And you figure that most of us, uh, if this happened today, we would shut up and we would get off the social media and we, we would hide and cower. But they go into the upper room and they begin to pray at the end of chapter 4 for even more boldness to come upon them so they can continue, no matter what comes their way, they can continue to preach the gospel that they have received and they have seen and they have heard with their very own eyes. The Bible tells us that when they make this request, that they ask that God would show Himself not only in boldness but through signs and wonders. God grants this request because the Bible tells us in verse 31 that the building of the place that where they were began to shake and they were rebaptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with boldness. God answered their cry. The church at this time, as you read through the, the end of chapter 4, the church is experiencing such unity that it's never known before. People are coming to their brothers and they're coming to the, the church leadership and they're saying, listen, I, I'm giving all my possessions uh, not only to the church but, but so that the church can allow others that don't have these possessions uh, to take hold of these possessions so we can minister to the orphans and to the widows and those less fortunate and, and people began to bring uh, even property that's been sold and they send the amount at the feet of, of the disciples and they say let's, let's have all things common or what that means is let's share everything let's experience the goodness of God together and God is blessing us and we're going to stick together through this uh, and, they, and they, they, the, the Bible even tells us uh, that in, in chapter 5 that they said we're, we're of one heart, we're of one soul God is, is doing something and there's just this incredible movement going on in the book of Acts we even find that in, in Acts chapter 5 uh, that not only are they not only do they continue with such unity but even the shadow, there's so much of the presence of God on Peter and the disciples life uh, that they're bringing people from miles around just so the shadow of Peter can cross over them and they're all being healed we find that the, 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 the Sanhedrin, the leadership of the church, uh, of the Jewish church uh, lay hands on them again for preaching in the name of Jesus and throw them in jail but even jail can't hold them because God is bringing angelic beings uh, down to open up prison doors uh, and, and, and the, the same men were, were told to be brought up the next morning before the Sanhedrin, the captain of the guard goes to retrieve them and they said these men are not in jail but they're preaching on the porch uh, of the temple, the same men that we tried to bind up cannot be bound because the spirit of God that rests upon their life amen, it's great, it's awesome, but in the middle of all this revival, that's what's going on here, the day of Pentecost revival breaks out something supernatural is happening there's signs, there's wonders, there's people being healed, there's people being filled, there's people being saved I'm talking about a harvest, the Bible even says that the church was added to day in and day out daily, people were getting baptized daily, people were coming to repentance, this is a move of God and then all of a sudden and I'm going to get to my text tonight, here in the middle of all this awesomeness, all this revival, all this renewal all this restoration we come to 
to this story in Acts chapter 5. You say, well, you've already referenced Acts chapter 5. I've referenced the latter half of what God was doing in Acts chapter 5. But in the middle of all this, we come upon this story in Acts chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife, also being privy to it, and bought a certain part and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Turn to your neighbor and say, he dead. He gone. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in and Peter answered her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Holy to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them that have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straight away at his feet and yielded up the ghost. Say she did. She gone. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Your emotions may be asking what I'm doing to you tonight because I was all pumped up a moment ago. Because revival was in the air, but in the midst of revival, we have this story, a very sad story. I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, the great steal. I'm not talking about stealing a base in baseball. I'm not talking about a stolen election. We, we've heard all those things. That's not, I'm not being political tonight. The great steal. In the passage of Scripture that we read to you tonight, what, what is beyond the surface of, of the words here is that this money that Ananias and Sapphira were to give was promised to the church. They promised it to the church. 
We find that in a few verses previous to this chapter, at the end of chapter 4, that there was a man by the name of Barnabas that sold a piece of property and he gave it all to the church. He gave it all to God. But in this portion of Scripture, we find that in the middle of all this revival, in the middle of all this miraculous, miraculous, miraculous things happening, in the midst of all these things going on that was so great and wonderful, there was a couple that would simply not give their all. The Bible tells us that Ananias goes and he lays part of the money down at the feet of Peter. And he says, listen, Peter. Or Peter says, listen, Ananias. You've not lied to me. You've not lied to the church. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have kept back from the Holy Spirit. His wife comes in three hours later. I was... I was on, on a side note here, I was, I was telling my grandmother about what God was placing on my heart. We was visiting her over the weekend, and, and she said, you know why Ananias and Sapphira didn't come in together? I said, why is that, ma'am? Well, she said, because Sapphira just come into some money, and she was out at Dillard's shopping. She wasn't with him because she had some money to spend. I was a comic take back from my grandmother there. I thought she was going to download something profound on my life in that moment. But she comes in and they both are taken away dead. And I want to break down a portion of Scripture in this story. If you look at verse number 2 in Acts chapter 5, it says, And kept back part of the price, and his wife also being privy to it, and brought it, uh, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. That word kept back, those words kept back is one word in the Greek language which the New Testament is translated from, and it means embezzled. It was embezzled. It, it was held back. And that that word price there. In the Greek language, there are many words that can mean many different things, but that word price can mean multiple things. But one of the things, Pastor, that it means is something precious. They embezzled something precious. See, what does that have to do with anything? To embezzle means to steal money or property despite being entrusted to take care of it. To steal, to withhold, to withhold our lives from God is to steal from Him what is rightfully His. To embezzle, to steal, to take. Ananias and Sapphira had promised to give it all, the full price. But they kept back part of the price. They kept back what was precious. They embezzled the precious. And I want to ask you tonight, we've been praying, we've been seeking for revival. We're in the middle of a fast. And I know that many of you in this house, if not all of you, want to see God move. But during this time of fasting, I find myself in prayer and I find God saying, I want more of you. 
I desire more of you. Do not embezzle what is mine. Do not take, do not steal what is mine. I've trusted you to hand it over to me. And how come it seems that when God begins to prod us to move towards revival, and I'm I'm just speaking as, as a man that this has preached to for over a week. I've been messed up. How come it seems that when we're getting so close and the Holy Spirit is prodding us to to give more to Him, to give more of our time, to give more of our effort, to give more of our talent, to, to give more of ourselves to Him, that we embezzle and keep back what's precious to us. We cannot seem to give it all. There's revival going all going on all around Ananias and Sapphira. And they have the chance to be a part of it. But they just can't let go. To steal. To steal. To steal. To keep back yourselves, your life, your spiritual, your spiritual heart. You, to hide things from God. Listen, nothing's hidden in God. But to t- keep back. Oh God, I want to hold on to that TV show. God, I want to hold on to that music. I want to hold on to these. And you say, well, those are little things. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. The word tells us that God said, be ye holy as I am Holy. And to not give God all of ourselves. Listen again, this preached to me. To not, to, for, for God not to get all of Jade Abrams is to embezzle and to steal from him. You say, how, how, how is that so? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We quote this scripture all the time, but I began to see it in a new light. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You are not your own. If you're here tonight and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, guess what? You are not your own. You have given the keys to your heart, the keys to your mind. You have given the throne of your life to another. He says, are ye not your own? In verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. There was a cost. There was a price that was paid for your heart, for your soul, for your life. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The scripture says that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And that we should glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit, which are God's. That we're glorified. We, we think of, we, we should magnify. We should, yes, it's all those things. But when you break it down again, I, I love to break down the words in their original language. It means to render. 
What does render mean? It means to provide or give. Render your body unto God. And your spirit, render it unto God. Give it away. We sang the song tonight. I, I, I dropped it on them at the end. I said, we have to sing, I give it myself away. I know we usually sing that at altar. Because what, what, what we're saying is, is when we're Christians, we're saying our life is not our own. And now we need to render not only our spirit, but what our body does. What we have to do is render not only our spirit, but our flesh unto God. To the works of God. Yet in the middle of all this, Ananias and Sapphira, believers, had promised to give, they had promised to pay the price. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about spiritual. They had promised to pay the price. Young people, I know we're, we're, we're doing this ministry class on, on Sunday nights and young people and adults have come together and it's awesome to see and it's amazing. But I, I will tell you, as Pastor Dave Wilkerson preached years ago, if you want more anointing in your prayer life, if you want more anointing in the call of God on your life, it'll cost you something. It'll cost you something. And I know in this house, I, I know in the leadership in this house, we want God to move. We know that God is desiring to move. We, we know that something is, it, it could, is great. That it's on the precipice. It's on the horizon. I believe that God, even through the midst of all these dark times that's going on, I believe there's no better time for the church to shine bright. I believe there's no better time for us to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. I believe there's no better time than to be the church and the true church of God than right now. But listen, in the midst of all all this talk of revival in the midst of God moving. I want to tell you and I, I want to plead with you from my heart tonight. Do not withhold. Do not keep back. Do not, do not embezzle. Do not steal what is God's. And what is God? It is you. What is God's? You are. Render. Surrender. Everything to Him. You see, the very thing that you're keeping back from God is the very thing that's keeping you from revival. It's true myself. I come into this church day in and day out and I pray and I've asked God, but for the last week, uh, God says, I, 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 as Ananias and Sapphira has come to me and they, they kept back, he says, there are those still in my church uh, that say they want to move of God, that say they want to be a part of what God's doing, but they are withholding from me. I'm not, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching for amens. I'm not trying to preach you. I'm trying to preach to you the truth because I want God to move. I want to see these young people lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to see us as adults lay hands on these young people and see them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to see these adults step out and be unafraid. I want to see these young people step out and be unafraid, but to see the revival we prayed for, to receive the miracles we've asked for to receive what God has for us we must withhold nothing we must not steal from God what is his 
the very thing that we withhold is the very thing that is keeping us from revival, from renewal, from restoration. It may be the very thing keeping, keeping a lost loved one from getting saved or the spirit breaking out on a Sunday morning. It could be the very thing that you're keeping back. Your surrender will release more than you've ever known. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that there was a woman that came to Jesus with an alabaster box with very, excuse me, precious ointment and she poured it on his head as he sat to eat and, and the disciples saw it and they were indignant. They were, they were frustrated. They were mad. Uh, they said, what is the purpose? This, this is just waste. This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And Jesus, uh, he said to them, why you trouble you, this woman? For she hath wrought, she hath done a good work upon me. What he was saying is, why, why are you upset at her? Because she has given her all. Why does it frustrate you that she, she has given her all? She's held back nothing from me. Ananias and Sapphira are part of the church and they're seeing people healed. They're seeing lame, the lame walk, the dumb talk, the blind see. They're seeing stuff that we, we dream about and we pray for and we ask God. They're seeing the fruits. They're seeing the signs follow the disciples. And they're seeing all these lives transformed and changed. And they see that there's others giving it all. And, and, and again, they had, the, they had the opportunity to be a part of everything that was going on around them. But they said, I've got to keep it back. I cannot pay this price. I cannot give up what is precious. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 13 that the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus telling a parable in verse 44 of that chapter. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. And the man, in which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all. Someone say all. When he sell, he selleth all that he hath, uh, and he bear, and he buyeth that field. He said, "The treasure." And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. What he's saying is the kingdom of God, living a godly life, pursuing Christ, stepping out in the call of God that He has on your life, is worth everything. It is a treasure worth everything. You may say tonight. Well, I don't know why God wants me to get rid of that. It doesn't hurt anything. And, and I don't know why I, I have to protect what I see and protect what I hear. And I don't know why I, 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 you know, I'm just tired sometimes and I just don't feel like worshiping. And, and I, I don't know why. I mean, it's not a big deal. Everybody goes through. Listen, I know I've been there. I've thought those things. I've said those things. I've had those arguments with God and I've never won any of them because he says, I still want more. 
Why does God want more? Because he wants to do more in your life. And as he pulls out of you, let me tell you tonight, as he pulls out of you and he continues to empty you, he says, I can feel more of me in there. I can put more of my spirit. I can put more of my word. I I can put more of my anointing as I'm drawing it out of you. Let me tell you that if you will release what you're holding on to, God will release something in the supernatural realm that will come upon your life that will pay. It compare it, it won't even you know, what what you held on to doesn't even look doesn't even compare to what God's going to do in your life. The Bible tells us that, that Paul said in Philippians, I, I count all the things of this life, I count it as dung, it's garbage compared to the glory of God. But it came when he gave his all, he gave more. Why is it so important to give it all? Because when you release, God will release the windows of heaven. And He'll begin to pour out on your life. The Bible tells us that there's no greater example to fashion our lives after than Jesus Christ. No greater example than He The Bible tells us, and I was talking to pastor before the service, and I mean, just God had just been stirring this in my life. And I was like, Pastor, I've never heard it this way before. And, and I, I, I want to make sure that this isn't me, this is God. And, and I just want to run this by. But, but God began to reveal to me something because the Bible tells us uh, in Romans chapter 8 uh, and verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell, what that word means in, in, the, in its original language means to reside in you, the, he that raiseth up Christ from the dead shall also quicken... Or that word means to energize your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead. And you say, what? What are you saying here? God, God brought me back to His Son and, and what His Son did. You see, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the one that could carry the sins of the world. That He could die. He was so pure. He was so perfect. He was fully God. He was fully man. And He came and He was the one that placed our sins and our punishments upon Him. And He died on the cross. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 that while He was hanging on a cross He said it is finished that the, the the veil rent in the temple but there was such a power when you see when Jesus relinquished it all and gave it all up for you and me and he gave it all up for the will of God the Bible tells us in chapter 27 of Matthew in verse 53 that graves were opened up That graves were opened up. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. If it's a spirit that can raise from the dead, that means it is a spirit uh, that is, is revival, that can revive. So what happens is when Jesus pays it all, revival is opened up. And if Ananias and Sapphira could be as Barnabas as a few verses before and give it all, they can be a part of the revival that God is doing in their life 
Why do we want to release and relinquish what we're keeping back from God so he can release and relinquish his spirit not only to us but to our sons and to our daughters and to our city and to our church and to our home. I want to release of God but I know that I have to release myself. They'll come to the music tonight. Romans 8, 11. I'm going to stay here for just a moment. I want you to understand. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, energize your mortal body. Anybody ever been shocked? Nice little jolt. You getting shocked by electricity make you a Pentecostal if you never were one. Don't feel good. Remember the first time, Brother Brian, I got shocked. I, I went through, I was going through trade school, working for contractors and stuff in high school. We, we was doing jobs and things like that and never been shocked. All through junior, senior year, never got shocked. I get in the field and I'm working on some emergency lights. You can't shut them off. We're, we're doing some retrofits and I, I thought I had everything tied off, but my wire nut fell off. I wasn't even paying attention. I'm on a ladder in a tight hallway and, and I, I'm, 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 I'm putting all these, I'm, I'm tying these ballasts together and I'm wiring everything up and Boom, my right hand gets a hold of something and I, and my boss comes out and he says, you all right? And I'm like laying on, barely on my ladder. I said, man, I need about 15 minutes. He energized me, shook me up. same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken, shall energize, shake you. Shake your mortal body. I know some of you in this house, you've, 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 you've been in a service, many of you, and many it was a long time ago, but God began to shake you under the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you that we're in a time that God's saying, I'm wanting not to just shake you and shake you. I'm no respecter of person. I'm wanting to shake everybody. You say, shake, that sounds great. No, he means to, to wake up, to bring to life, to, to new life. And the Lord began to speak to me. And began to show me that again, Jesus is the greatest example. And we know that He walked through this life and He's part of the Godhead. He, I mean, He knows the Holy Spirit. He knows God the Father. He knows their power. He, but at the same time, you have to understand he's operating in 100% God, but yet 100% flesh. The Bible tells us that he was tempted at all points. That he's not a high priest that cannot be touched with our issues because he, he knows. He came. He went through your issues. He knows. 
Jesus came and he poured out. And listen, the Holy Spirit is an unlimited supply. And he, he's just preaching and he's teaching the word. And he's giving parables and he's healing people. And the Bible tells us that the woman of the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. And he says, wait, virtue has left me. So that, that began to speak to me, Brother Brian. And that began to show me that, that every time that Jesus would, would heal, he could feel the virtue leaving him. When he's calling people like Lazarus and the son of Nain and the 12-year-old girl, when he's calling them back to life, he can feel the Spirit moving. Moving through him. He's, his whole ministry is pouring out. He's pouring out. He's pouring out. And then he cries, It is finished. And things that had been dead a long time, people that had been dead a long time begin to live. We're talking multiple people. They're walking in the city like, what? And everybody's like, man, I haven't seen you in 10 years. I buried you 10 years ago. And it came when he, he paid the ultimate price. He gave him himself. He gave his all. He withheld nothing. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, God, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, let, let not my will, but your will be done. And he pays it all. There's revival. But yet he's, he's three days in the tomb. And Pastor made a great point. He said, at all, at all terms, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he's dead. They think, okay, it's over. But the same spirit, the spirit that began to raise Jesus from the dead, it shook him. This is God made flesh, and it shook him. Because if that scripture says it'll shake us, God, he, Jesus was all flesh, he was all God. So in, if we're flesh and it'll shake us, it shook him. The tomb door flies open. And before he's walking on the water, but now he's walking through walls. There's people alive that have been dead for years. And now he says, listen, I'm going to send my spirit. Now's the time. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's never come this way. And it would have never came unless he paid it all. Ananias and Sapphira were given the opportunity to give what was precious, to give it all. But they stole it. And listen, everybody else, listen, my brother can be on fire for Jesus and be having revival. My wife can be having revival. My, my, my family can be having revival. But if I do not relinquish all of me, if I stop, if I would just stop embezzling my thoughts from God, if I would stop embezzling my time from God, if I would stop embezzling uh, my heart from God, if I would stop embezzling uh, all these things from God, if I would just stop and, and stop embezzling the call that God's placed on my life, if I would stop keeping it 
from it. If I would stop operating in fear and saying, God, I, I'm, I'm going to embezzle your strength. I'm going to embezzle your boldness uh, because I'd rather have fear instead. What you don't realize is that you are stealing glory from God. And everyone else around me can be having revival. But if I do not release and relinquish control of what God has trust me with, I, 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 everyone else will be alive. But yet Ananias, everybody else around them was alive and well. And they're shouting and they're excited. But I'm dead. Because what they would keep from God kept them from experiencing the power of God and it cost them their lives. You see, what does that have to mean? That if I don't follow God, it'll cost you your life. What I'm telling you is you, if you don't let God have His way in your life, you will find your spiritual life dead. If you'll stand with me tonight. When Jesus paid it all, there was a power released that had never been seen. Barnabas paid it all, excuse me, and traveled with Paul. Saw amazing things. Saw God do signs and wonder. He he just saw God do the impossible. He he was with Paul during thick and thin. He'd been with him, and he he had went with. But he saw the glory of God on display, and he paid it all. Guess what? We never read any more of Ananias and Sapphira. Why? Because they're gone. Church, I don't want us to get so caught up in revival that we forget about the God that sends it. I don't want us to, I don't want to get so caught up in this life that I forget the God that gave me life. I don't want to get so caught up with the, the signs and wonders that I, I forget to fall in love with the miracle worker. I have realized in a, in a few weeks and 27 years on this earth, I know that's not that long. But I've realized in 27 short years on this earth that this world truly has nothing for me. Everything good that's ever happened in my life has come from God. My wife, my, my children, my everything. These young people, they're a gift. I'm so blessed to have an opportunity to work with your sons and daughters. That's God. Purpose I found in God. Strength and joy and peace. I found it all in God. And I'm finding as I continually let my flesh go. That God continually re releases His Spirit to operate in my life. And I want you to know that in the same passage of Scripture, in Romans chapter 8, when He's talking about that the, the Spirit that, that, that dwells on the inside of you is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, two verses down, He says, but you have to mortify the deeds of your flesh. What does mortify mean? It means I have to kill the deeds of my flesh. That's what it says in verse 13. And then in verse 14 it says, but then you will be called the sons of God. 
And he goes on and he says, now that you're sons of God, you can cry, Abba, Father. He's your Father. And that you'll become, in verse 17, that you'll become heirs with Christ. You'll become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You'll become heirs of the anointing. But none of that's possible without giving it all. I, I, I know that God is wanting to do something. I know that His Spirit is moving. I, I know that God wants this church wants each and every one of you and churches around this area, churches across this nation to be shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know He wants that. He desires that. But don't keep back. Don't embezzle. Don't steal. They say, oh, this election was stolen and and, and, and there's theft in the city. There's theft here. And there's things stolen. The greatest steal is when we hold on to what God wants us to let go. So tonight I'm going to open up these altars. Again, I don't want you to think this is a discouraging message because I, this, is, this is not, was not even on my mind. I come into the Lord's house and, and I was praying and, and God just dropped this little line. He said, he, it just one little paragraph and it, all it said pretty much was that even though there's talks of revival going on all around, he said there's still some of those that are holding back. So I want to open these altars tonight. I want everyone that will come. If you want to pray in your seat, if you want to pray standing up, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and lead you in worship. But we need to enter in. I mean, I'm talking intercessory prayer. Cry loud, spare not. Because I don't know about you, but I'm desperate. I can't... we, we, we've said it, but I want you to know that I mean, I can't go through another Sunday, another Wednesday, and not see and not feel the Spirit of God moving. I, I can't do it anymore. I've prayed for revival for years. I must see it. I want heaven to come down. I want God to rend the heavens. But I ask you to join with me tonight. Give it all at these altars. Say, God, if there's anything in me, you remove it. I, I know it's not an, it, it's a simple message. I know it's not a shouting message, but come. These altars are open. Young people, come tonight. Render. Render. Give. Provide God your life and your spirit. God's not satisfied with just you giving Him His, giving you His heart, your heart. He he wants your entire life. He wants all of us. 
He wants all of us. Platforms. Uh, we have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you.